The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. And it's time now for Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And uh, they're doing a pretty good job of helping us uh, remember it anyway. And uh, as I always mention, be sure that you have a pen and paper handy because I have no doubt that our host, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Philip Farsberg, is going to mention something that you didn't know. And uh, with that being said, we uh, always do something at the start of all of our shows that are militarily involved and are expressed with uh, as far as our first responders go. So what we do is we always start the show with a moment of silence and gives you an opportunity to put in place your thoughts and we will do that right now. We'll be back in uh, just a moment. take this opportunity to be sure and, you know, offer our condolences to the families of the five that were killed in a helicopter accident. Uh, A Black Hawk uh, went down killing five and, uh, you know, and this was in a uh, training exercise, so... Uh, Our thoughts and prayers are with the families of those five that gave their lives to help protect you and me. And we appreciate all of our servicemen and our veterans. And uh, America's Web Radio is doing something about that as far as as, um, we'll be having more and more information on a situation that we're doing 
exclusively for veterans. You can go to our website and find out all about it. There'll be more details being posted very quickly in the very near future. It takes a lot to do something these days and takes a lot of information and a lot of CYA. And uh, Phil, want to welcome you on this Monday, and it's uh, sort of a sad Monday with the loss of our five pilots in the Black Hawk Down. And uh, also, I'm finding it very sad to uh, think about these people that are protesting that I don't really think they have a clue what they're protesting or don't know what they're doing anyway. And um, then we have, as everyone knows, a very weak president. And uh, this is beginning to show up more and more. And uh, don't think that our enemies aren't aware of our very weak president and uh, you know I I bless the White House and uh, you know I bless our country and it's in God's hands so with that being said we also do one other thing every time we play a, a show that's uh, military based and that's what we're going to do Okay, well, we always want to make sure that our listeners' hearts are pumping, so there's nothing better than a Jody to get you up and ready to go. Good morning, Phil. How are you? I'm well, David. I hope you're well also. Uh, I think so. I... uh, I haven't taken my blood pressure today, but I'm sure it's okay. And other than that, I think we're all lined up and ready to go and remembering uh, Desert Shield and Desert Storm. Uh, They're not letting us forget it right now, which uh, is good and bad in its own way. And uh, I don't... uh, Hamas keeps keeps seeming... Lee wanting to keep stir things stirred up, and uh, Iran offers its two cents worth in keeping things stirred up, and I don't know. I I've talked to a lot of folks about whether this is going to expand, and if so, what? And you know, it's it's just a a bad situation, and uh, I think if. My personal opinion is, if we had better leadership, stronger leadership, and determined leadership, that uh, we would be in a much better position. But uh, we have to deal with what we got. So with that being said, your thoughts, sir? Well, uh, you know, um, as far as... Desert Storm was concerned, we did have a number of strong allies. Uh, 
Kuwait, Kuwait was all about uh, aligning themselves with us because we were the ones that were going to get their country back for them. Uh, Saudi Arabia was quick to be aligned with us because uh, Saddam was now an imminent threat to their uh, all their natural resources and the petroleum there. And then, um, uh, let's see, the, the British were our allies. Margaret Thatcher, if you remember her, she was uh, at the helm at the uh, at the UK. Um, and then uh, Francois Mitterrand of France. Um, so, uh, you know, we we had some, uh, and then and then Egypt was also uh, on our side in this, and. Uh, Phil, I think you're getting a little close with your microphone and a speaker or something. We're, I'm getting a lot of feedback. All right. How's, how's it now? Seems to be okay uh, right now. Um, but, you know, we had uh, we had staunch allies. And I'm not sure who uh, is going to be able to stand with Israel on this. I hope we do uh, because Israel was very helpful for us in Desert Storm, uh, Saddam wanted to uh, wanted to get draw Israel into the uh, the fighting, by, and so he sent a bunch of Scud missiles to hit Israel. Um, and we asked the Israelis just to uh, maintain their uh, uh, hold their powder uh, and not and not engage. Uh, as they certainly could have, uh, because, you know, there's a perception on the part of the Arab nations that perhaps we would be, uh, they would be fighting on the side of Israel, and there would be a public relations disaster in the Arab world for Saddam. Um, but now, uh, you know, Israel, it, uh, you know, this whole thing of Gaza and, uh, and the, the Palestinian Authority is something that, uh, that the Israelis have for years uh, allowed this to to exist in the interest of peace and trying to accommodate um, some sort of middle ground, uh, two-state solution, if you will. Um, and uh, it seems that uh, Hamas which it, uh, basically runs the Palestinian Authority, has uh, has been using all this time just to, toward the end of uh, this ruthless attack that they began over a month ago. Um, and then, of course, they had all of their willing dupes in the, in the media all too... Uh, all too anxious to... Uh, Make apologies for the uh, for the belligerents, for uh, for the terrorists, and at the same time uh, demand that the Israelis uh, cease their actions uh, in the interest of peace. You know, I, I can remember Arafat, who was the leader of the PLO, Palestinian Liberation Army, uh, oh, yeah. our organization, and. Uh, that little guy had to be the grossest-looking sucker I think I've ever seen. He didn't have to wear a costume on Halloween. He just went as himself. 
you know, he was a caricature, that's for sure. Hmm. Um, but, you know, when the, even that very idea, the Palestinian Liberation Organization, well, what do you mean liberation? Liberation by whom? Of whom? For what purpose? Right? Um, uh, it just kind of tells you what they were planning. So, I... Uh, I think all of this has been planned for years and years and years, and uh, I I can't prove that, but uh, I just feel like it has. By the way, do you know uh, what Margaret Thatcher's greatest socialism remark was? Uh, there were there were a number of quotes about socialism, and uh, let me. I'll take a guess. Uh, I would say it's that the problem with socialism is that eventually you run out of other people's money. Yeah, it's uh, socialism's great until you run out of other people's money. So yeah. she was she was quite a lady, and and you know uh, not only quite a lady, but also quite an ally. And she and I guess Ronald Reagan probably got along as well as any two international leaders could. Yeah, I still, uh, I still enjoy that quote from uh, from Winston Churchill who said, uh, the United States and the United Kingdom are two, pe- are two nations separated by a common language. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I I had forgotten that quote, but I I do remember. That's uh, separated by a common language. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, that even holds true today. I think, doesn't it? Uh, to some extent, yeah. I think there's been a little bit of uh, homogenization of the planet. You know, I can remember, uh, David, when I first got to Killeen, Texas, uh, in 1983, my first assignment out of flight school at Fort Hood, now, now known as Fort Cavazos, uh, the, uh, <clears throat> no one in Texas, uh, you couldn't, you couldn't buy a bagel anywhere in Texas and people didn't know what bagels were. That's right. And, <laughs> Uh, um, and you know, coming from New York, it was, it was just an ordinary thing, you know, to, to get a bagel. And if you think about it today, you know, bagels are everywhere. But in those days, you know, you, you also couldn't get uh, sushi just anywhere. Uh, you had to be hard pressed to go find a place uh, that would offer sushi. It would probably be a very unique place there. Uh, in Texas, but also at the same time, you know, up in New York, people didn't know what fajitas were. That's right. <laughs> um, so there's been quite a bit of homogenization, homogenization of our nation since uh, since 1983. I think it's pretty good. Uh, you know, I think people enjoy the cultural experience of a bagel 
in Texas or fajitas in New York, sushi in Iowa. <laughs> well, well, you know, food has brought brought a lot of countries together, and you know, it's amazing if if you do a study of food, which I haven't done an official one, but uh, I find it very interesting in that, uh, you know, we may call it one thing in Texas and New York calls it something else, but it's the same thing. And same way with uh, many different uh, foods. And particularly, uh, and I guess this goes back to... uh, the old trading companies of many, many years ago, the first trading companies, really, where spices were traded, and they were almost, uh, spices were almost a uh, a marketable or a currency of their own in, in many ways. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, we're, Texans are always kidded about eating hot stuff, well, you know, Italians and a lot of and the Orient, they, they eat as much hot foods as uh, Texans do. Yeah, um, and uh, you know, I would guess probably before Marco Polo went running around the world, um, that uh, food in Italy was kind of bland, and he changed uh, that. Yeah, for the better. And of course, you know, everybody thinks about tomato sauce and, you know, on their pasta. And that's all well and good, but tomatoes came from uh, South America. They weren't as ubiquitous as they are now. I'm sorry, what? But they weren't as ubiquitous, in ah. other words, found everywhere. That's true. Um, but, uh, you know, it's nice when we could take things like uh, tomatoes from South America, noodles that I think, uh, uh, that I think uh, Marco Polo brought from his visits to China and, uh, put together spaghetti bolognese, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, you know, it's kind of a, a, a I mean, it seems like, you know, ethnically uh, uh, monolithic, but it's not. It's actually a uh, hybridization of, of other things from around the world, and uh, and that's a good thing. I think people uh, appreciate putting the best together. You know, uh, like uh, my own family heritage is Swedish. And uh, one of the hallmarks of uh, Swedish baking is this uh, spice called cardamom. And, uh, of course, that doesn't grow anywhere near sweet, but they've just developed an affinity for it. And now you find it in all Swedish baked goods. I was in London, uh, let's say, about six years ago, I guess, five or six years ago, and um, I had ordered, I forgot, I had ordered a, a steak of some sort, and the waitress had brought it, and very 
competent. I, and I looked up at her sort of jokingly and said, you wouldn't have any Texas steak sauce, would you? Or Texas Pete hot sauce, would you? And she said, yeah, we do. And she brought me a bottle. And I couldn't <laughs> believe it, you know. But Texas Pete gets around. You know, it's, it's uh, when you mentioned the U.K., I was in the U.K. one day. Uh, I was about to head home to the States. My wife uh, had a certain delicacy that she liked uh, from the U.K. And so uh, I went into a grocery store to, to look for it. I, I was out going up and down the aisle. I found this bottle of uh, sauce had a picture of the Statue of Liberty on the front and an American flag and it was called H&P American Soft. Huh. Uh, <laughs> so out of curiosity, I got a couple of bottles and I threw them in my luggage and took them home. Um, and it turned out to be something like a combination of ketchup and uh, A1 steak sauce. Huh. But and it wasn't hot, huh? No. It was American sauce. Ah. Uh, completely American, I guess. So typically American. But, uh, <laughs> you just I've never had it before. You just never know, do you? <laughs> and that's you know um, and that's the funny thing about it is that uh over the 240 years, 200 years, that how influential other countries have been on the U.S., but we've gotten even with them with Texas Pete and other sauces. <laughs> so it's uh, it comes back down to, to Disney World. It's a small, small world. Um, yeah, uh, I'm told that one of the reasons the French don't like us so much is that they gave the world the croissant, and uh, we gave the world the croissant sandwich. <laughs> well, we both contributed, huh? <laughs> yeah, you know, in this uh, talk about food, uh, it kind of brings back. Uh, some memories of, of Desert Storm. Uh, there was a uh, so we, my unit. We were assigned at uh, at King Fahd International Airport, which is now that the airport that uh, it serves the city of Dammam, Saudi Arabia, and uh, they the the airport itself was under construction uh, when we arrived. And of course, in Saudi Arabia, the uh, all the construction is really done by um, uh, foreigners that come in and uh, do the manual labor. And so, the king, King Fahd, has been, you know, building this airport with this, all this foreign labor, and he uh, <clears throat> he provided a mess hall for all the workers and. Uh, I will say, you know, we did 
save his country, but he was also quite generous to us, gave us the tents we lived in, he gave us the, the fuel for our vehicles, uh, he gave us, uh, uh, you know, all sorts of things, and, and he gave us the use of this mess hall. We did have our cooks with us, uh, but it took a lot of pressure off of them, and they were able to be used for other duties. Uh, but uh, at this mess hall, uh, there was always a big uh, Turk uh, manning the door, and we had to sign in when we came in. And uh, so all you had to do was sign your name, and I have no idea if this fellow could speak English or read English uh, or read anything. Uh, he never made a sound. Just sat there like Kalijah the Wooden Indian. <laughs> and uh, he, um, the people would sign the registry um, with all sorts of names. They'd sign in as Saddam Hussein or Bart Simpson or whatever. Just go on in, never challenged. Um, so it was always kind of a little funny to, to read through the list who, who was at the meal that evening. <laughs> uh, and of course the, the fair was essentially to cater to the tastes of the uh, of the workers uh, who many of them came from uh, far flung places in the third world so uh, there were a lot of uh, curry every night we had some sort of curry um, and there was always some sort of soup there was always um, French fries, and uh, there was always soft ice cream. Hmm. So that was the that was the way I experienced the war. But I can tell you that um, the French fries were a nice touch. We liked them a lot, except uh, the ketchup that they had was I think it was from the UK or some place in the third world, and yeah. they. Um, <clears throat> It came out of the bottle kind of like Jello. It was not. Yeah. It was not Heinz or Hunt's uh, ketchup like we're used to, and uh, we actually had our loved ones in care packages send us American ketchup that we could bring to the mess hall and put on the fries. Then all was right with the world. <laughs> Always something, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. We were grateful for the French fries. It just, uh, you know, without without the right ketchup, just it just was missing the mark. Well, I got to ask: Were they fat French fries or McDonald type French fries? Um, I, they were kind of something in between. They were they weren't crinkle cut, as I recall. This is a pretty good one, and of course, you can't beat the waffle fry. That's a good. Uh, good use of a potato. Um, but, you know, uh, we, we weren't just there to eat. We were there to prosecute the war. So. <laughs> but what what does the Army run on? Yeah, the Army marches on its stomach, according to Napoleon. And uh, so we, uh, you know, you talk about how food kind of unifies people of the world, and 
and uh, it's true because everyone eats, right? You don't eat, you won't live. So any civilization, there's been has some sort of food, and uh, so it's it's deeply ingrained in culture. But there wasn't a whole lot of ham going around, huh? Well, um, officially there was no pork product in uh, in Saudi Arabia. Um, but uh, in our own mess hall, um, the cooks that we brought with us, uh, did, they did serve us uh, bacon, sausage, and ham. Typically we would have our breakfast in our mess tent over in our cantonment area and uh, <clears throat> and we had uh, we did have uh, a lot of uh, pork type products and um, in fact our uh, MREs our meals ready to eat of legendary uh, <laughs> that is the uh, our MREs still contained the uh, ham slices in juices and the the, um, the infamous uh, dehydrated pork patty um, not, uh, yeah it's something to be avoided <laughs> okay on that note we're going to let people think about it and we're going to take a quick break we'll be back with remembering desert shield and desert storm with our host Lieutenant Colonel Retired Philip Forsberg, right after a couple of messages. What will Victor say next? Find out every Tuesday at 1 p.m. on the On Point with Victor show, only on America's Web Radio. Are you a veteran of Desert Shield or Desert Storm? We do a show for you every Monday at 1 p.m. on veteran-owned, americaswebradio.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we do thank you for listening, and we also want to thank our friends that have been spreading the word about America's Web Radio, a great uh, contest that we're going to be running, and uh, also about our veteran shows and also our other shows. That there's just there's just no other station like it, and uh, <laughs> I broke down the other day and. Uh, this sounds crazy because a lot of shows like this one, I do, and I run the board and, and listen. Uh, uh, Phil makes me stand at attention throughout his whole show because I was just a grunt, uh, 11 Bravo. Uh, but anyway, uh, I, I was bored and didn't have anything to do, and I thought, well, you know, I think I'll just listen to the station. And uh, I started listening to America's Web Radio and got hooked on my own station. And some of the shows I'd heard, some of them I'd never heard. And uh, we edit our shows. 
I have a gentleman named Brett that does a wonderful job of doing the editing. And, uh, you know, I found that uh, we just we just really fill a gap that nobody else fills, and that's doing shows for organizations and not only organizations, but uh, needs and and uh, small niche type businesses as well as as organizations. So uh, tell your friends and your family about America's Web Radio and be sure and go to our homepage uh, and see what I'm talking about. And there will be new rules and facts coming out that will be on that homepage about a giveaway that we're doing. And it's going to be absolutely fantastic. So with that being said, let's get back to remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And our host, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Philip Farsberg. And Phil, it's all yours. Thanks. Can you hear me, David? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, for the record, I do not make David stand at attention during this. Uh, if he chooses to do so, why, well, that's uh, entirely up to him. But uh, <laughs> Well, I have so much respect that, uh, you know, an officer <laughs> walks in it. the studio and I stand at attention, and uh, I also uh, have a thing about calling you Phil and not calling you Sir. And uh, I got put down pretty heavily in, when I was on active duty by a captain that uh, informed me that I did not use the term captain to get his attention or to address him that I used sir and that was it so going back to my old days I still respect officers and and call them sirs or ma'am and uh, that way I don't get in too much trouble yeah uh, you know I guess the only problem with using sir and ma'am is when you uh, you can't change quick enough. You call a fella, ma'am, or a lady, sir, uh, and then you have to kind of moonwalk out of that somehow. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you know, David, uh, Veterans Day was just this past Monday, um, uh, Saturday. Saturday, rather. And, uh, and the Veterans Day, uh, I was invited, uh, by the, a good friend of mine, Kevin Miller, who's the president of the, uh, Veterans Day Association, uh, to put a display at, uh, at the Veterans Day, Georgia Veterans Day parade that was held, uh, in Asagi, Atlanta on, uh, Saturday, and uh, we had a nice display for, for my organization. I'm the, I'm the commander of the Marietta chapter, disabled American veterans, and uh, I'd like to encourage folks to join that organization. Uh, uh, but uh, so 
we, we put on a presentation and we talked to some veterans about uh, what they might be entitled to uh, through the VA. Uh, and uh, so that evening, uh, there was a black tie affair. The um, It was uh, the Georgia uh, Veterans Day Association uh, Freedom Ball. And uh, so... Uh, I was able to uh, convince my wife to come with me to that, and we just had a glorious time. Um, uh, so I would like to encourage people to uh, to participate in the Georgia Veterans Day um, Association, and uh, they do pay corporate sponsors for their events. And so uh, if you're looking for a way to curry some favor with the uh, in the veteran community might consider sponsoring something at one of their events and, uh, in addition to um, supporting America's Web Radio, which is a, a wonderful uh, outlet for, for uh, veteran information for uh, people who just appreciate veterans. Um, you know, the theme over there at the uh, Georgia Veterans Day Freedom Ball uh, this year was uh, to salute the uh, the veterans of the Korean War, mm. and uh, we had a number of them there, and we also had uh, as a you know kind of a, a guest dignitary was the uh, Consul General of the Republic of Korea, otherwise known as South Korea, uh, to Atlanta that came and uh, uh, presented. Um, gave a few remarks and uh, it was quite nice and uh, then there was a presentation of uh, some traditional Korean uh, dancing by these young ladies that just did just a spectacular job and uh, yeah it was it was quite good and a lot of uh, and the keynote speaker was uh, the uh, director of the National Infantry Museum down at uh, Fort Moore, which is formerly Fort Benning, and uh, so it, it was a real, really wonderful time. You know, I I don't want to throw any cold water, and it's not meant that way at all. But uh, a lot of people. Or in my neighborhood, anyway, and and some other neighborhoods not too far away from me, uh, people don't understand veterans, and they don't understand in many cases what a veteran has gone through, and uh, we do a show about that with your friend and my friend, Doctor Don Moeller, and it's all about not all about, but there's a large portion of that shows about PTSD. And I have never been the big fireworks fan that some folks are. And uh, in my neighborhood in the past couple of three nights, and I can only assume that they're celebrating in their mind Veterans Day or a salute to veterans, and they fire off worthless fireworks. And what they don't understand is... If somebody's been in combat and all of a sudden you're in a, you're in a deep sleep 
and all of a sudden you hear shells going off or what you think are shells and it's either hit it or incoming and you know people need to think about their left and the right like a military person does taking care of their brothers and their sisters and fireworks in my opinion are a waste of money if you're going to a big celebration where they've spent thousands and thousands that's one thing but just to do it in a neighborhood and think that you're saluting anybody or doing anything for anybody is crazy and can be very harmful in some cases and uh, I think Don and I are going to try to talk about that uh, on his show that uh, you know you still have after effects and that's what PTSD is all about and uh, the last thing you want to do is hurt a veteran and uh, get them to thinking about something that they had pushed to the back of their mind hopefully so that's my two cents worth alright Ted um well let's see what else we uh as far as Veterans Day is concerned, I don't think uh, we had any uh, uh, observance of Veterans Day when I was uh, in Desert Shield then, November of 1990. Um, I think the day came and went without much fanfare. Um, we may have uh, thanked our friends for their service, those a uh, few Vietnam veterans who uh, were still serving uh, and went with us to the conflict. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, there was not uh, there was not time for that. I do remember that uh, they told us before we could go home, we had to take our uh, annual physical fitness test, um, and which I thought was kind of a a mean thing to do because <laughs> we uh, were not given time <clears throat> to do any kind of physical conditioning uh, during the during that whole conflict. And we worked uh, but probably twelve to fourteen hours a day, I'd say, and uh, there was just no time for for. Uh, you know, jogging or whatever. Um, but, you know, uh, much to my surprise, uh, I was able to do pretty well on that physical fitness test, a great deal better than I would do today. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we are, but, uh, you know, my question was, well, <clears throat> we just won this war, um, if I fail, you're going to tell me that I'm not I'm not fit to, <laughs> to fight your war because I just did. And anyway, was, uh, I thought that was somewhat ironic. You know, that reminds me of some of the things that go on that in... In many cases, like you taking your physical fitness, uh, I 
would almost guess that that whole procedure was run by a couple of NCOs and uh, might or might not have been a uh, lieutenant somewhere around, but for the most part, a lot of a lot of that type of work was done by NCOs and not that I would say any of the NCOs ever did anything that was questionable. However, I did see some folks that would still be running the mile, and this is 50 years later, they would still be running the mile and uh, qualified. And uh, I'm sure you never saw anything like that, but... uh, it does happen, and some of those records are, uh, you know, I guess the, I know you were a company commander, and uh, I don't know of a company commander that doesn't want 100% out of his company, you know. They all succeed. They all pass. They all do the best. And uh, it's inbred, I think, or something, but... That's, uh, they all look for a hundred percent. And, um, if there's ever a question, that's what they have erasers on the end of pencils for. Well, um, I will tell you, David, uh, one of the things we were deeply cautioned about, uh, was to, uh, <clears throat> was to doctor any kind of readiness records for the purpose of uh, looking better than we actually were. And uh, so uh, we, you know, I've seen in the past some, you know, buddy checks where uh, people would would pass that that weren't supposed to, but uh, that that really wasn't our uh, motivation. Um, You know, I mean, my feeling at the time was, okay, well, if you want to give me a failing score, go ahead. Because, um, you know, what, what are you going to do? I mean, are you going to throw me out? If I just, <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you can't do that. Send, you do send me home early? Give, yeah, that's right. Send me home from the war. Um, but, uh, but really, the, uh, you know, they would just, give you more time and tell you need better physical conditioning and of course you know at which point I'd say to him well you know I, I'd love to have been at the gym all this time but I was fighting your war um, and you know I do remember a guy I can't remember his name he was a, he was a captain and uh, he was in our battalion and uh, he had a problem uh, of uh of um, you know maintaining the uh, the height weight standards for um, for the army, and uh, it was uh, you know in August of uh, August of 1990 uh, they, they had reached the point where they were going to process him for separation from the army for failure to maintain the height weight standards, and then. One day we got our alert for Desert Storm, and I recall the battalion commander saying to him, "Well, you know, 
we can uh, we can keep you in if you want to go to the war with us. And, you know, she kind of looked at him. <laughs> uh, and said, you know, you got to be kidding me. Um, um, so he did, he didn't go with us, but uh, you know, I really couldn't blame him. The uh, uh, you know the army was telling him he was not fit to fight. And then they turn around and say, well, you know, we can engineer it so you can come to the fight with us. You know, as if that were some sort of... Uh, reward? <laughs> yeah, or some sort of reward. So, you know, I guess maybe they thought a little too much of the, of the ribbons, little colored pieces of cloth they give you, but, um, yeah, uh, I can't remember who that guy's name was. I could look it up probably, or one of my friends would tell me. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was quite ironic. Uh, oh, it kind of felt, uh, a little, uh, uh, sorry for those guys, you know. Some people, you know, have a hard time maintaining the, the height weight and other people. I got a son that, that can eat, uh, all day long, and, uh, He'll never gain an ounce. He's uh, skinny as a rail. <laughs> you know, the wife complains, takes him to the doctor. The doctor says, you can eat whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, did you ever have to um, use the horizontal ladder? Yeah, the horizontal ladder was part of the PT test uh, that that was in place from the time you were in until the time I started uh, Army ROTC. And uh, I thought that was a kind of a, a cruel uh, device because, you know, uh, it had these uh, those pipes mm -hmm. that when, when you grabbed onto them, they weren't fixed. They would rotate. And, and uh, that's a one piece of equipment that... I can literally say we'll make your pants fall off. Yeah, yeah. We had well, a what is it? <laughs> Go ahead. we had a, a kid in our in my uh, basic unit that uh, was overweight when he came in, and uh, I mean he was lucky to make about the first five rungs, you know. And uh, the DI would get all over him and get back up there and finish, you know, and. So, I can't think of his name. I can see him. <coughs> but he'd always try, always try. Finally, he made it, and you would have thought that the president had come to our our unit or something, you know? <laughs> and it was applause and everything else. And <laughs> he got down from, I would, he was borderline obese, And he got down to the point that one time he was going, and oh, we had to go through the the horizontal ladder to go to Chow. That was yeah. that was the way you got into the Chow line. And uh, we were all standing there watching him, and right in the middle of his going through the horizontal ladder, his pants fell off. And well, yeah, uh, well, it, you know, they were. Working toward that end, right? Yep, he had thinned down to the point that his uh, he couldn't get his belt tight tight enough, and uh, as he was doing his thing, going through the horizontal ladder, 
And the poor guy just, you know, what what can you say other than, excuse me, i got to get down and pull my pants up. Good job. Yeah. Join the child line. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, uh, the thing I remember most about the horizontal ladder is it used to, it used to, uh, remove the skin from my hand, from my palms, just, uh, just below where the fingers were. Yep. Yes, sir. And, uh, I thought that was really kind of cruel for them to do because what was the next event after the horizontal ladder? Do you remember? Um, we didn't have anything. The inverted, the inverted crawl. Oh, no, we didn't, thank goodness we didn't do it. We did have one Sergeant Polino that was my drill sergeant, as a matter of fact. Uh, I guess he, he had an affair going on with the horizontal ladder. And now this is the way you're supposed to do it. And he'd go one way down the horizontal ladder, and then he would, without turning around, he would go backwards on the horizontal ladder, you know. It's just to yeah. show off. Well, you know that was that was his uh, skill set. But you know, we, we would go from the horizontal ladder to the uh, inverted crawl, which is sort of like a crab walk. Do you remember that? They have that, David, when you went through. No, you know I, I never. We never did that, and either my well, inverted. This was a was a timed event. You had to go 10 yards down, 10 yards back. And, uh, of course, it, uh, I was doing a ROTC at Hofstra University. And the, uh, and the, the field that uh, Hofstra used for their, uh, athletics was one that we used for our PT test. And, um, and they had AstroTurf. Oh, so now sorry. having the skin removed from my hand, palms of my hands, I had to do this timed inverted crawl across the astroturf down and back and uh, let's just say it was not my favorite thing I guess one of the other things we did was the fireman's carry Uh, well we've gotten rid of that for us Um, probably because you know it's hard to stand who you're going to carry Oh, and we had the, uh, the, um, um, I can't remember what it's called. It's like a rope ladder, but it was, uh, and you had to go up with everybody moving a thing at the same time, go over the wall and come back down on the other side. And I can't remember what it was called, but, you know, you're, you're, you're pulling on 60 something years. And I can't remember everything. Getting up, I can remember. That was bad enough as it was. Yeah. Um, well. I think I just lost Colonel Farsberg, and uh, we'll see if he... Uh, or we'll try him again and uh, see if he comes back on. 
I figured it was something I said, and you pulled the plug, but... (laughs) Now, why did that do that? Let me uh, transfer you back in. Okay, now we're back and raring to go to the end of the show. One minute. Well, yeah. But, uh... Yeah, the PT test was, was a fun part. You know, if you're ready for it, if you're not, you just wind up with more PT, I think, is, yeah. was the, the attitude. And uh, so, always the run. Always the run. Run was good. Run was, was good. Um, as long as you weren't wearing out your knees, uh, which, you know, it do for a significant number of folks. But... Uh, you know, it, it surely gave us good cardio. Well, I personally thought the run was never fair. As short as I am, and then you're standing beside some guy that's eight feet tall, and one his one step takes up four of my steps. I just never felt like that was quite fair. I should have been in with the women's platoon, you know? <laughs> And they could have probably beaten me, too. But, oh, yeah. Well, I tell you what, sir, it's time to put the plug in the jug. And uh, thank you for everything. And uh, we'll be back next week, I think. I hope. All right. Looking forward to it, David. Okay. Take care. And uh, we'll we'll pray for Israel to uh, take the high road and come out with on the other side well thank you sir simplify the views opinions and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on america's web radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station you're listening to america's web radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com thank you for listening